When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm very excited to be joined today by Mike Westoff. Mike is an incredible coach. He's revolutionized pro football special teams, and I think there's a lot. When we look at it today and step back and hear some of these stories, I think a lot of what we do in special teams today certainly has some of its foundation and things that Mike did. And Coach wrote a book called Figure It Out, My 32-Year Journey While Revolutionizing Pro Football's Special Teams. It's an incredible book. You have to pick it up for sure. It's one you won't be able to put down. And it's not just for the special teams coach. I think this is just good coaching in general. So, Coach, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for taking the time. Oh, no, I'm happy to do it. Thank you. It's an interesting idea that you have, and uh, no, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. The stories in this are incredible, and your influences and the people you've worked with over the years just incredible the names and running down the list here and i'm sure we'll get into some of this and this probably doesn't even cover all of them but don Don shula jimmy johnson lee corso frank kush bill parcells eric mangini sean payton john harbaugh rex ryan herm edwards bear bryant woody hayes an incredible list of players too long to mention a lot of incredible coaches you've been able to learn from and have impacted you and I know there's a lot of stories again guys pick up the book to to really dig into these but coach if you would just share really some of the guys who were most impactful in your development as a coach Don Shula obvious I mean he, he's first and, and you know in the coaching business in a lot of ways in my opinion you know he was first and, and nobody was second I mean you know he just was he was the guy that got so many things started uh in in so many different ways and to have to work for him for such a long time was quite an honor. And uh, it wasn't easy. Don, Don was tough. And, and, he, and he was so knowledgeable. He could coach any position. He could walk into any meeting room and pretty much take it over. And he, you know, he knew the rules. As I mentioned in the book, and I described them, that he wasn't the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He was the head coach of the National Football League. That's who he was. Everything that went on, in the business he was a part of. Business decisions, television, rule changes, you name it, Don was involved in it. And that's what he that's who he was. And he did it all with such a realm of integrity, you know, always doing it the right way. You know, there were, there was no cheating. He wasn't gonna, you know, he wasn't gonna be the guy that took cheap shots. Now he was tough and he, and he believed in a tough brand of football, but he was also so versatile that you know on one hand you know, he could have 
the Larry Zonkas and Jim Kicks and Mercury Morrises and, you know, lead the league in rushing and, and win and go undefeated. And then all of a sudden he has Dan Marino that, that he can throw the ball all over the lot and do a million different things. Now we didn't win the Super Bowl with Dan, but that was, that was the, the person least responsible for that flaw was Dan Marino, believe me. But that's who he was. So that was the biggest influence in my life. Now, some of the things that people that, you know, helped me go all the way back to my childhood with my father, who was a great athlete himself. And, you know, actually Dan Marino broke my father's city of Pittsburgh high school records. It was Dan that broke them. Uh, so, you know, it's a pretty good guy that maybe could beat you. But uh, and, uh, my high school coach, you know, we were undefeated in Western Pennsylvania. We were arguably the number one team in the state. So, you know, you get started there. And then as you work your way through things, so many other people, Frank Cush gave me a great opportunity to get in the NFL. Now I came in in such a precarious role, you know, and you have to read the book to find out exactly how Frank did this. And it's a, it in itself is a unique story that, that very few people have. And, you know, with a, a happenstance meeting with Frank at a, at a convention and uh, all of a sudden, six years later, it turns out, it turns into a job in the national football league, a job that I was, you know, to, to say I was prepared for, I was not. I was a strength coach. I coached the tight ends. I was assistant offensive line coach. I was Frank's assistant. And then all of a sudden I became a special teams coach, of which I knew nothing about, zero. So, you know, so there's a, there's a whole role. And then, and then some roles at, at just in a, a, a much smaller area would be my meetings with Woody Hayes, Bear Bryant, Bob Knight, Bill Walsh, Mike Ditka, Al Davis, and Al offered me several jobs. Those are pretty interesting. And then, of course, the guys that I worked with, with Rex and, you know, Mangini worked with Eric for a few years. And, of course, Sean Payton, who I described as quite possibly being the best on-the-field teacher as a coach that I saw in my 32-year career. Sean Payton is really good. So, and then the players that I dealt with. I was at a, a Miami Dolphin practice a week ago, and, and I was watching. I, I really don't know know anybody i thought i was with dan i, I know dan of course i don't know that I, I know some of the coaches because uh madison and, and sertan uh, basically play for me so they're they're on their staff on defense and wes welker's a good friend of mine he coaches their receivers but i don't know any of the players really you know i was just a fan watching but the offensive practice was it wasn't poor by any means that would that wouldn't be right to say but it wasn't quite to what i was used to seeing and when i was interviewed I talked about that and I, I don't believe that I was critical, but you know, as a coach, we see things through a certain set of glasses that we always have on. And if you don't have them on, then maybe you're not as good a coach as you think you are, because that's what we should be doing. It's just, it's who we are. We can't help ourselves. And so, you know, when I was interviewed, I was talking a little bit about it and, and I, it's not that I was disappointed. It's just not quite, it just wasn't as sharp as I was hoping to see, to tell you the truth. All right. So then, so I got, you know, I was, Lynn based it a little bit for that, which I don't care. I could care less. But anyway, I let them know. I said, you know, it's not like I haven't been on the field for some pretty good offensive practices. I mean, most of my career is with, with Dan Marino and Don Shula. Okay. Well, then when I went up to the Jets, you had Benny Testaverde who could still throw it all over the lot. And Chad Pennington, who came to life and became, you know, the great quarterback up there. Oh, and then, by the way, we also had a guy up there named Brett Favre. And he's a pretty good football player. And then I finished my career with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. So I know what an offensive practice 
is supposed to look like. And I was part of it coaching for years. You know, I sat in the meetings with Don Shul and Dan Marino. You know, I, I did all that. So, so for me to look at things a certain way, I think if I were, if I were a coach and I heard Mike Westoff talk a little bit and maybe he just, there's something that, that he just wasn't sure of. I would like to talk to him and listen to why rather than maybe to, to say that I was a little too harsh. <laughs> That's just me. Cause I guess I have a feel for what it's supposed to look like. And, and there's a bar that you have raised. And I learned to get that bar very, very high. And I got that from Don Shula. And I carried that my entire career with everything I did. It, you may not be the most popular guy all the time, but at the end, at the end, they're going to really appreciate what you've done and you're going to be really good. And so that's a little bit how I was influenced and how I see things as a coach generally. Now there's a million specifics, but that's a little bit of a start. In speaking of your start, and you mentioned it a little here, right? You are put into some roles that there's not necessarily a textbook for. Not that there is in football for anything. Certainly we've seen the amount of resources that can aid us in our journey and and help us develop as coaches there's more and more of that the pandemic brought a lot of that about you mentioned you know your book came out of the pandemic but thinking back to my early days of of coaching and in the early 90s I mean you you had some VHS tapes maybe some DVDs you could pick up you travel around going to some coaching clinics and get it you know 45 minutes at a time no real deep dives and to really understand things you'd have to build some relationships and be able to go and talk to guys and you know overwhelmingly though the the title of your book was how you got things done you had to figure it out and I think that's still true today because now there's so much information sometimes it's a little bit of overload so I think the best coaches today do have that ability to look at something see how it's going to apply to their own situation and as the title of the book is figure it out right that what's great about our game and in doing over 1500 of these interviews not a single one feels alike and I feel like coaches are like a you know a fingerprint or a, a snowflake everything is a little bit unique they they might look the same in some ways but it's unique and you're able to put your own spin on it and the best coaches that's what I think they do they figure it out and they evolve it to fit the exact situation that they're in and you certainly have created uh, I think In this book, uh, that theme that, you know, if you're going to be a great coach uh, someday or now, that that's going to be something you have to do. You have to figure it out for your own situation. That's exactly, exactly the case. Yeah, you you just have to do that. One thing that that you have to keep in mind with football, and and I think anyone that doesn't quite understand this or or believe this really doesn't know American football. And And I don't obviously soccer you refer to as football over much of the world, but it's a totally different game. Football, our game, is the most cerebral game that there is. I don't care what anyone tells you. We're the most academic game. And we have so many variables and so many moving parts. You know, people have compared it to chess, where chess say compared to checkers, and chess has all the different moves. But each chess, each chess piece has a specific number of moves that can make some one to two, whatever they are. Every one of our pieces has infinite number of moves. It's so much different. You know, I, and I'm a big baseball fan. I, I love baseball. 
you know, and I played it when I was a kid and we were all pretty good, my whole family. And so you, but you know, you get traded from the, you know, from the Pittsburgh Pirates to the Philadelphia Phillies and you're, you're a third baseman. You're going to bat fifth in the lineup. It's about your spot. You're a, you know, you're, you're a, a, a 300 hitter maybe if you're lucky. And uh, you go and you're going to play third base. And you've done that your whole life. So you go in, you meet with them and the manager talks to you and he says, oh, here's a signal. I touch my hat, steal second base. Okay. I said, now you're ready. <laughs> you can play. You come to our game, you get traded from the Steelers to the Eagles. You're going to get a notebook that's eight inches thick. It's a different game. It's different. And the thing with football, and that's why I still, I, I've talked to little league coaches. Sometimes I can be a little hard. And I said, I said, you guys, all you have to do is inadvertently criticize some young man and you can just ruin things. I said, because in our game, everybody, everybody's got a chance. You can be the little skinny little kid. You can find a place to play football. You can be a heavy young man. You can be chubby. You know, some people might want to be rude enough to say fat. I don't like that word. Go ahead, make fun of him, and he won't play. But you can find a place, and everybody can do it. But all you have to do is just be a little bit courageous, work hard, and understand it. And the next thing you know, your parents will be sitting in the stands, and you'll be having the time of your life. But we as coaches have to understand that. And now, the higher you go in that coaching tree, you know, the more specific it gets. That's that's what football is about. We are that great sport. And to me, you know, I I love it. I think it's the greatest ever. It did so much for me. It got me a scholarship. It's how I went to college. You know, you you read about it where I grew up. I grew up in a row house. All we did was fight when I was a little kid. And I didn't know any different. We didn't have much money. You know, when I went to school, I got put on a bus. 36 hours later, I arrived at the University of Wyoming. My bags were still sitting on the sidewalk, and I practiced. And that's, that's what I know. And, and so, but yet it gave me a chance. It gave me a chance for a life. And, uh, and I don't think there's another sport that even can come close. I was watching the if Effies last night. There was a young woman that was, became pretty famous. I find that she's a little famous sometimes for, for her, or sometimes for what she says, maybe either, even more so than what she does. I don't know enough of that, but she got the play of the year. And um, it was a penalty kick. I can remember it. And I, I read it description about a penalty kick it's good you kick the ball through a double wide garage that's about what it is and the percentage at that level is about 80 some or almost 90 percent where people make it that to me is not the play of the year i'm sorry i just that's how i feel no disrespect because that person's a great athlete and very very good but it's a different game than the game we play the game we play you got to make that throw and somebody's smacking you in the face it's just different we play The ours is the best game there's ever been. And I, and I don't care. I don't care what anyone tells you. Uh, that's just the way it is. Now, you know, it's, it's our role to not be stupid and to make it, to make it safe. Some of what I've done has been dramatically reduced because of safety regulations. I'll give you a number. I'll give you a good number. Okay. My first 30 years in the National Football League, my first 30 years, not counting, not counting PATs or field goals, whether you kick them or defend them, not counting those plays, I averaged 22 plays a game. Punts, punt returns, kickoff, kickoff. Okay, I averaged 22. My last two years in 17 and 18, when I went to the New Orleans Saints, seven. I went from 22 to seven. 
Now, I'm not counting the kickoff for a touchback. I mean, I'm, I'm 74. I can run down. Please. It's a non-play. So the point is, you know, the, the, the special team's role has been dramatically altered. It's almost disappeared in college football. It's almost gone. One of the things I do a lot of, you know, in, in college, it starts usually around December, and it goes up till February or so with the NFL, with helping guys get jobs. I've made a million phone calls for people, and I'm pretty good at it. I can get them hired. A lot of colleges aren't, aren't having a coordinator now. They're, they're breaking it up among the staff. They're, they're finding a way to get an extra coach because this guy doesn't have as, much, uh, as many plays as you have. I mean, I was asked to go up to the combine this year, and I went up and talked to special teams coaches, and I let them know. I was in a meeting. They had dinner. That the, the seat that they were sitting in, I pretty much gave them that seat. I'm pretty cocky when it comes to things like this. Did I actually do that? No, but I sure as hell helped. But I mean, I sort of believe I did it, but that's beside the point. I let them know that if you don't get out ahead of this, there's going to come a time when that owner is going to walk in with the head coach and the general manager, and he's going to say, why am I paying this guy a million dollars when he coaches eight plays? You guys better get an answer. Because this job that reached a pinnacle has now dropped to where it's never going to get back to that. It's never had, had never been to that point. It'll never get back. But it's important what you do. You just have to find a way to keep some of these plays alive. And I wrote a whole chapter as to how they could do some of those things. But you know, it all comes down to we've got the greatest game. We just have to be smart enough as coaches to keep it the greatest game. I couldn't agree with you more, Coach, and I certainly want to talk about some of those ideas in just the future of our game as we get going. But uh, the one thing in figuring things out, like you equated it to a puzzle and used some examples of how you would do that, you know, being given certain personnel and how you would move them around the field to, uh, you know, influence a certain play and, and use a play. But in, I think the other thing that really came through is, is for you, it starts with figuring out here's the simple scheme that we're going to build on. Just like you do on, on offense and defense, it's not creating something that's hugely complex. It's starting with something simple, and in the, in the way you do it, in the way you apply it, it actually becomes very complex for the opponent to handle. If you would just give us some examples of how you – you know, grew into doing yeah. that, and, and really that became a big part of, of what you did as a special teams coach. Sure, I'll give you exactly. I realized very early as I got into, I'm going to coach this, and I'm, here I'm taking this on. And, and all of a sudden, I, I'm looking around, I'm looking, I'm watching film and different teams, and I'm thinking, everybody's pretty much the same. This, all, this is 1982 now. I said, this all looks the same. And I said, but there's really not a lot of creativity and there's certainly not much innovation, but what's even more important is there's very little regulation. So, you know, you could, I could pretty much do whatever the heck I wanted to do. Or just, you know, just keep it legal, of course, and things like that. But so that, so this is where I, I said, I also realized in a hurry that I had a timeout pretty much before every single play, pretty much a timeout. So what I needed to do is not stand around on the sidelines with my hands in my pockets and figure out how to coach the entire game. So I started drawing everything and I got very good at it. 
and I could draw really good plays that were easy to see. I had numbers for who the guys were that we were going against, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the guy could go in a huddle now instead of having a, you know, instead of having two kickoff returns or three, like most teams had, I could have 12 because I could hold a drawing up and say, all right, hey, Joe, take a look now. Remember, da 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 and we did not make a mistake. Did we do everything perfect? No, of course not. No. But we didn't make mistakes. We were really good at it. And so then when I had, I came up with a philosophy, philosophies, I said, all right, all right I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick off coverage. I said, well, I'm playing defense now. Let's coach defense. I said, what kind of defensive coach do I want to be? Who, what am I? Well, I like to get after it. I'm a blitz guy. I want to blitz. So what did I do? I walked into Bud Carson's office. Now, Bud Carson was one of the most brilliant defensive minds in the history of NFL football. You know, he's the guy with the, the, the steel curtain defense with Joe Green and all those guys. So I sat with Bud and I said, Bud, do me a favor. Take me through the perimeters of your blitzing. He said, okay. Then so he got up on the board. And he said, the first thing you have to understand about blitzing that most people don't know is you have to establish an edge. Blitzes come, you have to get an edge. One side, one, one place somewhere where they can't escape and then funnel everything. So I decided, well, okay, I'll kick to the corner. I'll use the sideline as my 12th man. Then I learned how to take two people and run them behind each other. But to show one thing, but actually be doing something else. How to disguise, how to bring people in motion, how to take an assignment, give it to a person with the same assignment, but yet move them from all different spots. And if a number, you know, one, two, three, four, five, you know, when you're in my, my scheme, you're a one, you're a safety. But my safeties came from anywhere. All right, you're a two, you're an edge player. We had a strong side edge and a backside edge we referred to as a skim. His role was to set an edge from the edge of the front to the edge of the back, deep as the deep as the ball. He was a skimmer. All right, then we had threes. Our threes, we, I called them ball guys. They could come from anywhere. They had no lane, no contain, no responsibility for field position. They could come anywhere. All right, then the twos, the, five, the fours, they were like a linebacker type guy. That's who they usually were. They would come down, slide in behind, slide, make the play. Fives were bigger, stronger guys. We'd put them in different places. Sometimes if they weren't a great player, I'd put them where a team was going to double team. This guy, he can't make the tackle anyway. Let him double team him. This guy will tackle him on the 15-yard line. So I tease Joe Rose a lot. He does uh, radio stuff with the, in Miami, and he played for Coach Shule a long time. He was a, kind of a tight end, wide receiver, hybrid guy from uh, University of California. And I told Joe, I said, you're the reason I became a good coach. Because Coach Shula would say to me, Mike, you've got to use Joe Rose on the kickoff team. I said, it was terrible. Because, I said, if you, want to, if you want to get a first down, throw the ball to Joe. Throw it to Joe. He'll catch everything. You want to, you want to cover a kickoff? Huh? I don't know about Joe. What am I going to do with him? So I used, to, I used to move them all over the place wherever I thought they had their best blocker or, or they were going to double team. <laughs> I seem not going to make the tackle anyway. So you create roles. All right, well, now I'm on offense, okay, because now I'm going to run a kickoff return. Well, I'm an offensive line coach. So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to create a power-off tackle play, and I'm going to be able to double team consistently five different guys, three strong side, two weak side, and run a counter off of each one of those. And I learned how, how to double team, who to double team with, how to change it, how to trap, who to trap with, how to cut the backside off, just like you cut the backside off 
and you create a wall on a running play. How to kick out block. Back then it was a wedge. We used to use two and one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you move it around and you draw it up and you know the exact distance between the lead blocker and the ball carrier. An example, when I had Justin Miller, who led the league, by the way, he was a defensive back from Clemson. Justin loved to be about 12 yards when he got the ball behind the wedge guys because he was so fast and he wanted to, to run and catch the wedge and then explode. Leon Washington, who also led the league, by the way, he would be five yards because he wanted to hide behind it and then break out. So the key thing is know how to do these things. Get a, get a philosophy and figure it out. I did that for everything. How to do it with punt returns, how to do it with your punt team, you know, all those kinds of things. Next thing you know, you know, you've got a unit that, that, that can perform pretty well. And then you've got to get guys that fit it. You don't always have an all-star team. You know, there were times, uh, probably the, the best group that I was able to assemble came when, when, when I was with Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy did it at Dallas. He, Jimmy kind of started it. He, he was one of the keys that did it. He firmly believed in three parts to the game. He firmly believed it. Lots of people talk about it, but they, they, don't, they don't really give it credence. Jimmy didn't care much about kickers. It's almost like he didn't want them on the team. <laughs> I'm teasing, but he's not terribly far off. But everybody else, oh, my goodness gracious. Because he really, he, what he would think, and he did it at Dallas, you got to win two out of the three parts of the game. And he was never going to lose one of them. And that was the kicking game. He was never going to lose it. Because he had an all-star team. So he came to Miami. And next thing you know, I had an all-star team. All these little peanuts. You know, Larry Izzo, O.J. Bergans, Bernie Parmalee, Trent Gamble. And these guys were good. I mean, they were really good. You know, our, our year in 2000, I think, could be argued as the best special teams year in NFL history. Right there. Now, we didn't have the great return guy. We were good. But we didn't have a great one. But we were we were really good. Everything else, oh my goodness gracious, we killed everybody. But again, you know, sometimes you don't have that. Okay, well, what do you have? Well, figure it out. Figure out what you have. I got a call this year, uh, back in it was January, I guess, from Dennis Allen, the new head coach of the of the Saints. Uh, Dennis was not the head coach yet. He was interviewing, and he asked me. He said, Mike, if you were coaching today how would you configure your roster? It wasn't a good question. It was a brilliant question mm -hmm. because he knows that you don't have the number of plays. How do you do it? If you have to, you know, you can't run around with a team of peanuts like I used to have back in the mid nineties. And I had a whole group of those guys. You can't do that any longer. The game doesn't, doesn't allow that. So, okay, what do you do? And where do you get the extra guy? And then how do you use them? You know, it's not perfect. And I went through the whole thing about how to do it and what to do. And that, that's where you are today with football. But it's always been that. Figure out what you have, what you can do. Get a philosophy. Blend it together and make sure they know it. Make sure they know it. I got actually in an argument one time, a debate with Marty Schottenheimer. You know, God rest him. He's, he was a heck of a coach. But when I was at the Jets, you know, he was, he was finished coaching and Brian was our coordinator, his son. And we were talking one time and he said to me, you know, you, you guys use, you're good. We were really good. He said, you don't make many mistakes. You know, many penalties. And you know, what, how do you do it? What do you do? And I said, Marty, we didn't have a mental error the whole year. Now, he did not believe me. He didn't want to hear it. 
there's no way, you know, he was arguing. I said, I said, we didn't have a mental. We had some mistakes. We had penalties, but we did not have a mental error. Not one. Here's why. And I could show him. Here's what we did. It's all drawn up. You know, you're looking at it. You're not going to mess it up. So, again, figure it out. Figure it out. Well, the other theme that really came through with your guys, well, I said you had this scheme. You talked about how you could adjust it around. Your guys would come from all different places. But the, I think the overriding philosophy for you was built around the word aggressive, that you guys, had, you in particular, you had a, an aggressive approach to how you were going to use your special teams. And you see all kinds of different approaches, and I would imagine it's – it probably varies on, on how much you really do value and put the detail into it. But if you do, I think you can take that approach where you're aggressive. I think it you might see it out of other teams where they're very conservative that, truthfully, maybe they don't value it as much. But for you, it was finding ways to really attack the other team and be aggressive. And we wanted to be the most physical team that they played. I used to let them know that when they, when they leave, or they're, they're coming into our game and they're watching, they're watching film of other teams, you know, they're watching us play other teams. They're not saying it, but they're sitting in that meeting and they're thinking, oh, Lord, I don't want to play these guys. Look, these guys, you don't know where they're coming from. You're going to get trapped. You're, you're, going, to, you're, you're going to have a headache for a month. That was our goal. We were really tough, and they loved it. They, they, it just, you know, to me, and you had to do it cleanly. I, I, I was never, I was reading a thing in the media about uh, a guy that had been accused and you know, had done some bounty and that kind of stuff. And that's, that's ridiculous. We never had any of that, but I believe that the years that I was there, that we had the most physical special teams unit in NFL history. I'll argue that with anybody. Uh, we changed several of the rules were changed because of us, the way we played things. We were just really good. We were just really tough. And, and I, I would sit in those meetings. And when I could show that really good clean, and I mean clean now, I never, I never taught above the shoulders or below the knees. We were going to hit you clean. We were not going to hide. We were going to play face up. And I could show that great play to the meeting. Nothing carried that, the realm of response that that did. That was the one that they'd jump out of their seats. They'd jump out of their seats. They loved it. And they'd come around and just knew. They just felt like we were tough. You know, and, they, and, 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 and I like that. It's me. I'm a little bit cocky with that. You know, my thing was, you know, after the game, I'm, I could be the best friend during. I don't, and I, nobody likes me. I'm sorry. It's just that's who I am, and it became it, it became pretty evident that uh, that that's that's what we did and the reputation that we carried and that was uh, it was fun. It was fun to be a part of, and I, I'm extremely proud of it. Looking at the practice side of things, you called it in your book the fastest 12 minutes of football. So uh, those special teams period, what you're doing out on the field, really well orchestrated. Takes a lot of time to plan. Well, certainly more than 12 minutes to plan, but uh, explain to us everything that you put into that period so that it could be the fastest 12-minute period in football. Sean Payton talked to me about what the way we did things, and he said in some ways it, it helped the, their, their whole team change a little bit as to how they practice. And then they practiced hard. Sean's a great coach, but, the, but this tempo nobody was really used to. Uh, one of the players told me one time that before I got there, he said, your walkthroughs, or harder than our practice was. <laughs> and I made the scout team and the scout team coaches. I mean, they really had to go to work. Everything had to be perfect. If I waited for one second for a scout team guy to line up, somebody was really going to get hell. They didn't want to be around. And I was really tough on anybody. 
And in the film session, you don't even want to be in the meeting if that was happening. So we were pretty tough with all that. And uh, it was just something that, uh, that, that you have to do. But you have to make an exactness. I wanted an exactness, an exactness as to how we did everything. If we're running kickoff return and that double team's supposed to be on the 23-yard line with the post, then that post better be on the 23-yard line. And I would stop everything and make you do it again 1,000 miles an hour. Or, I, or I'd have, you know, five guys stop, and these five guys, you better be going. I, I just, it didn't matter. There was an exactness to everything, and, and everybody knew it. And then at the end, like I can remember coming in a meeting, you know, looking at a film, and we'd be going over to practice film, and I might get to a point, say, on a kickoff return. And I could get to where it was just about ready to execute. And I could freeze the film. I'd stop it. I said, take a look. And every single guy would be in the exact right position. Every guy. Every guy. Now, if you weren't, and I could look over and say, my man, is there a reason why you're here and the rest of them are here? Help me if there is. Let me know when you're going to get it right. And because you want to get it right pretty soon. I was tough on them. I was just hard. You know, I said, if you don't get it right, if I were you, I'd call home and tell mom to go get your favorite dinner because you're going to be eating a damn thing tomorrow night. I said, so it's up to you. So I was tough on them. I wasn't the easiest guy to play for. But at the end, they knew how much I cared and how much and what it was like. Because when you show it right and you do it right, then the idea is you can't get beat. They can't beat us. They can't beat us. I know it took me a little while when I went to the Saints. It took me like two games. Because I didn't know anybody. Sean Payton, I never met him in my life. I knew he was a good coach, but I never met him. He thought he had a really good team halfway through the year, but their special teams were just they, – they were just they, – they, 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 had, they had some failure. So he brought me in. I would not let him fire anybody. I said, if you fire somebody, I'm going to come. But I'll work with them. I'm, I'm going to run it my way. But I remember standing in a meeting with the coaches, the guys that I had, I was, after watching a practice film, and I stopped it. I said, right now – this coming week, this whole city is going to see what a real special teams unit looks like. Look out now because we're really good. We never lost another play the rest of the year. Not, not even one. Now, you don't win them all, of course. No, no. We never lost one. We were, that's how good we were. And we went from rank 31st to 1st. It's all about exactness. What you, what you develop and with the way you can do it. Uh, and yet that's just so important. That, that you have to be able to do that. And uh, you, can't, uh, you, you can't settle for anything else. Yeah, so there's an exactness. You get that down, now all of a sudden it's really fun. That's part one with Coach Mike Westoff. Tomorrow we'll be back for part two. And we'll begin by talking about a player who he felt did an incredible job on special teams, Taysom Hill. And we'll go into other details from his book, from his career, Mike Westhoff's book is Figure It Out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I highly recommend it. There's a ton of takeaways from it. It's a resource you could put on yourself and come back to again and again. And it's not just about special teams. It's about great coaching and all the things that Coach did over the course of his career. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski and follow all we're doing this season at CoachAndCoordinator.com.